This is the Cloud Atlas Sextet. I doubt there's more than a handful of copies in all of North America. But I know it. How do people just drink coffee? We're very unhappy. Yeah, I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> Although, fucking motherfuckers with your goddamn coffee where it's like, don't talk to me until I've had my coffee. Like, no. No, that that's obnoxious. <laughs> that That is obnoxious. It, um, it is 100%. I, I have but... been trying to have less coffee than usual. I, I don't have it every day anymore. And honestly, it's, it's, it's better. I was just getting, like, nonstop anxiety all the time. Yeah. What the, what is the benefit of coffee? <laughs> uh, it's really when you need like a jump start, you know. It's the caffeine kind of kind of gets you going in the morning. It's either mm-hmm. this or cocaine, and I'm good with without cocaine. <laughs> I would hope so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I am also good with the movie we are here to talk about today here on the Waffle Press retrospective. That's right, Diego. We're here to talk about Atlas Shrugged, the trilogy. Hey. No. <laughs> We will we'll probably talk about that some more, um, because it's the, those fucking movies are ridiculous. The Atlas Shrugged trilogy adds up to a three hundred and thirteen minute long trilogy. Wait, how That's short how are those movies? They're each like ninety minutes, then. Yeah, you, here's the thing, and like I'll admit, I have read Atlas Shrugged. <laughs> if you wanted to make a good film out of Atlas Shrugged, you could totally make one movie. <laughs> Now, if you are a crazy person who is like, no, we have to keep in all the long tangents about how, like, selfishness is actually good and that, you know, uh, regulation will lead to dystopia and railroads. (laughs) And uh, if we, if you want to leave all that in, you kind of, I mean, two parts makes more sense to two-hour movies. But I guess uh, three 90-minute movies was what they went for. Okay. Uh, what is that? That, that? that is such a strange moment in our culture. Yeah. Um, take it away, Zack Snyder. Well, no, he wants to do The Fountainhead. Right, right. He wants to do The Fountainhead, which is like the one where there's like some plausible deniability about whether or not he's attracted to its like objectivist nature. Yeah. Because it's kind of a story about the creative process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I like um, I think we talked about it before, but he's probably just interested in that. And there's some there's some uh, crossover with the the less reputable ideals in, in the story. You want to hope, but like I still can't make heads or tails of the guy. Like, no, we, we've discovered he's a libertarian because of Army of the Dead. Oh yeah, but I mean, like even then, I'm like. I guess the thing is, like, when like when I was a libertarian, like, I had, like, my beliefs were a lot more, like, well thought out and constructed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and his feels like a guy who, like, kind of half-read Atlas Shrugged and then is only repeating the parts he remembers. <laughs> and it's like, hey, man, there's a lot of other stuff <laughs> with it, too. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the thing. I, I always say that there's, like, two types of libertarians, which... I think there's the ones that, like, really focus on individual liberty and are upset at, like, the amount of money that goes to just keep the government in power. And then there's the ones who are like, lazy people shouldn't get money. (laughs) (laughs) And I can't tell which one Zack Snyder is. You know what? I'm willing to say that he he doesn't really believe in the lazy people shouldn't get money type thing. 
Mm-hmm. Like I, I think more often than not, his stories, as flawed as they can be, are about like kind of a, a, a sharing like the the power that the heroes will have or something like that, right? I guess, but there is kind of a like there is a big difference between objectivism and libertarianism. Mm-hmm. Like, and I like it feels like he leans more on the objectivism side, and objectivism converge very close to authoritarianism in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. um and i think that's why people sometimes walk away from his movies thinking that but again i don't know i don't know if i'm just wasting my time you know like at the end of the day he could just be saying things yeah yeah you know like sometimes it feels like stuff happens in this movie just because he thinks that's what's supposed to happen or that it's like no real and, yeah, the, and like and has, this is not me dragging him anymore. It's like, oh, that's kind of what I like about him. I kind of don't yeah. know exactly what I'm gonna get, even if I know I'm gonna get a capital Zack Snyder movie. Now, I would like him to refine his style into a 90 minute movie style, <laughs> like uh, the Legend of the Guardians, the Owls of Gahul. Yes, uh, because good, good lord, <laughs> just speaking fucking... of politics. Yeah. The Wachowski sisters are communists. They know. I don't know if that's actually true, but uh, in a Twitter thread where Lily Wachowski was um, discussing the cancellation of her show at Showtime, a work in progress, she referred mm. to herself as commie-me, seething at the experience of um, of the difficult behind-the-scenes production during COVID. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, okay, she just she just said that. Good, Good for her. Hey, all right. Welcome, communists. Yes. (laughs) Um, And we're talking about the Wachowski sisters because we're here talking about Cloud Atlas. I'm your host, Diego Crespo. That's Macaringo. You know this. Yes. If you're here, you know this. Yeah, at this point. Yeah. And we're also here to talk about another guy. Uh, Yeah, Tom Tykwer. (laughs) Yes, who uh, made Run, Lola, Run. And... uh, a bunch of other movies I never saw. <laughs> you never saw The International? You know what? I, I didn't see The International. I remember seeing previews for The International a lot, but I have seen Perfume. Oh, I have seen of Perfume. Murder, which is one of the weirdest movies I've ever seen. Okay. Um, I'm not sure if it's good, though. I remember not liking it. Mm. And I did not realize he directed... Uh, his follow-up to this was another Tom Hanks vehicle called A Hologram for the King. Yeah, I saw that on... Well, like, I saw it, like, uh, posted on Netflix, but I never mm-hmm. watched it. Yeah. What is that one? And I don't know. I remember people comparing it to Cloud Atlas and being like, this is kind of a dumber version of Cloud Atlas. But I could be wrong. I could have nothing to do with the film. Okay. I, I could be inflating other things. Because there was also, do you remember Eye Origins? No. Do you remember that? I, it was, it was an, another one of those films that, like... It was kind of like trying to like find like the interconnectivity of all things hmm. type movie, and it, it had like I only remember was a big part of that is that stupid argument where it's like the human eye is too complex to have formed through natural evolution, so there must be something at work here, which is like no, that's not true. Hmm. But, um, hey, all right, uh, that's a big like creationist argument that the human eye is it's just way too complex to have formed naturally. Mm. Um, although not, sometimes they say, uh, what's the intelligent design was the word creationists started using 
to try and pretend it was an actual scientific theory. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, glad, glad that debate isn't happening anymore. <laughs> I feel like it's gonna, like, that's the next thing. Like, we're about to round another corner because, like, they're going after, like, critical race theory and shit. Like, we're just, like, days away from them being like, also, you can't teach evolution anymore. Yeah, it's getting really bad. Like, it's getting, like, that's where we're going. At, at least the last time that happened, the fucking country was like, wait a minute. Like, <laughs> and I I feel like that's happening, too, with a lot of this shit happening, where, like, crazy shit keeps happening. And the only reason it's getting through is because the crazy people mobilized a lot quicker. They mobilized a lot quicker. Uh, the people in power are just like, yeah, we're just going to do this. Mm-hmm. And we haven't done anything about them yet. Yeah, that's well, just, what I know, will say. Everyone in power, like they don't serve the American people. Yeah, you know? I mean, like that's, we're that's like we were talking about it before the show, but like literally, like the night before recording this, Joe Biden was like, you know, we're gonna fund the police, and it's like, wow, you're good luck next election mm-hmm. season, idiot. He couldn't have thought of a smarter thing to say. Like that's the other thing, you know, mm-hmm. like he. Because he could have said a bunch of other things, like, where he could have been like, look, we have to reform police with more training. Which is, like, that's that's basically saying fund the police. But to say fund the police is just, like, a fuck you to everyone who mobilized in the last few years. Yeah. Like, that's insane that, like, someone said put that in the speech, Joe. <laughs> um, unless I'm starting to think Joe Biden is a fucking psyop to just, like, allow fascists to take over. Like, he's deliberately fucking things up so people will turn to some crazy fucking guy who's like, we gotta throw everyone in jail. <laughs> I don't even know anymore. He, I mean, not not to just make a... There's a whole lot to talk about with Cloud Atlas already. Mm-hmm. But, like, Joe Biden looks like decrepit. Like, he looks like he's on death's door. And, like, I, I'd be shocked if he even made it to, like, next year, frankly. <laughs> That's I mean, that's not I'm, like a barometer of quality of his presidency. He just sucks. But like, mm-hmm. look at him like five years ago and now, and it's just like, whoa, mm-hmm. dude. <laughs> like, yeah. I know the presidency just does that to people, but well, he's yeah. already so fucking old. I know it was a mistake to fucking nominate a guy like that. Yeah, you know. Um, but hey. Anyways, Tom Tyler. Hopefully he just won't run again, is like, and then we can have like an actual election. Well, then we'll have Kamala Harris, who uh, began breaking down where Ukraine is on a map mm-hmm. for the general public because she assumes we're all idiots. Anyways, uh, yeah, but I, like, you know, maybe it's too much to have faith in. But she's like somehow has worse approval ratings than Joe Biden, so mm-hmm. I feel like it's going to be one of these things where it's like, all right, it's not. Joe's not going to run again, and Kamala's not going to run. Guess who's back? It's Hillary. <laughs> like, oh, God. I feel like that's what's going to happen. Or or all the insane people that are like, Michelle Obama's going to run, which I just like, wh- who is saying this? Yeah. I, I, hasn't, hasn't she even said before that she's not interested in that? Yeah, and it's just like, like, like I said, like the one thing you know about her, and like the thing that like makes her likable, frankly, is that she has absolute contempt for like politics. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm cool with that. Yeah. But like, who, who thinks she's going to run? <laughs> I mean, it's mostly yeah. just like the racist conservatives, you know? I guess, but I think it's I think there's a lot of hope on the Democrat side because we so want to just, like, wind the clock back to Obama, mm-hmm. you know? It's like, I almost feel like there even might be a Hail Mary pass of, like, okay, 
term limits are gone. Obama's back. Because <laughs> <Like, laughs> you know what? That would probably work. Like, I mean, maybe, yeah. You can say a lot of shit about Obama, but goddamn, he is one of the most charismatic presidents we've ever had. He might be the like, most charismatic president, frankly. Yeah, like, I fucking, like, I got so many problems with Obama, but every time he talks, it's like, goddamn. It's like, it. you fucking like, listen. Even when he says some stupid yeah. shit, you'll fucking listen. Yeah. that That's power, you know? It, that's it, a it genuine, is. like, talent. And the Democrats just keep trying. Like, you can't create that. That's just, like, a natural gift. Mm-hmm. And they, I know? think they keep trying to create that with, like, people that they want to put in charge, you know? Like, no one exactly. thinks Biden is charismatic anymore. He was yeah. at a point... Not like Obama, but he was at a point, and now he's just old and dying. Yeah. And Kamala is not charismatic at all. No. No. <laughs> and like I said, it's, it says something that's so much that, like, the guy who won the youth vote was fucking old-ass Bernie Sanders, <laughs> who looks like he's never seen a comb in his life, <laughs> and just, like, fell out of bed. <laughs> and he's been exacerbated for the past 40 years. Like, do you know that Fresh Prince of Bel-Air quote where he's like, he's a little confused, but he's got the spirit? I think that's why yeah. we all like Bernie Sanders. Yeah, and it was like, yeah, he won the vote. Like, you can't, what people end up liking a candidate, you can't kind of create, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just something that happens naturally. But hey, yeah. Anyways, Tom Tyker, I really love Run Lola Run. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know if that's a hot take. I don't know what the the temperature is on that movie. Um, I love Run Lola Run, but also it is one of those movies that like, I don't know he never kind of lived up to Run Lola Run. It, so, I mean, it's like, a really I, great like experimental like thriller, mm-hmm. I guess you know. Because like yeah. I love movies that are like condensed, like Collateral, where it's just like here's a short time frame. You learn everything you need to about the character through the actions of of, of this uh, extended sequence of their life, mm-hmm. and then that's it. You're in, you're out. Eighty to to a hundred minutes, you're you're good to go. And uh, Run Lola runs like a really fun experiment on that. For those that haven't seen it, it's about a woman trying to uh, get her boyfriend from. Uh, stopping to do a robbery to pay back some drug dealers or something like that, and then mm-hmm. it's like three separate like uh, interpretations of the event or not interpretations it's like three possible outcomes of the event and she keeps getting it wrong until she gets it right and it's like it's it's almost like a time travel movie it's not but it feels like mm-hmm. you're watching that which is probably why it was a good idea for him to do Cloud Atlas yeah what year was Memento? Memento was 2001? 2000? okay Run Lola Run was first yeah, yeah, no, um, it's it's just interesting, like, that. there's kind of, like, a brief period where, like, those type of movies were getting made, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, that you could kind of get away with that non-linear stuff. Um, or not, I don't know if necessarily, but, like, stuff that it feels like studios now would shy away from a lot more. Unless you are Nolan or Tarantino or someone who's, like, proven themselves in that field. Yeah. Uh, when did you first see Cloud Atlas? I saw ago? it when it first came out, but I did not watch it in theaters. I saw it uh, on a, on Blu Blu-ray DVD, one of those two. I saw it on home video. Well, that's video. not when it first came out. Then. Well, when, when it first came out on home media, excuse me, excuse. I was I was I was I thought you were about to admit that you fucking torrented this shit. No, 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 no. I the movie the fucking Wachowskis mortgaged their own goddamn house to make. No, 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 no. I uh, we'll talk about all that stuff too. But yeah, yeah. I saw it and um, I I I always really liked it, but I wasn't sure how mm. much I could commit to liking it you know what i mean Mm. i was like well other people seem not to like this one as much and then Mm. other people 
did kind of like it as much. This mm. I don't know. This is a divisive movie, like all the Wachowski stuff, but... Well, it says on the Wikipedia that it was included on both best of the year list and worst of the year list. Yeah, that sounds about right, yeah. Which, yeah, it sounds about right. And I, I could see someone putting it on both their best and worst, you know? I guess, but I just, I'm so, like, gung-ho for the Wachowskis now. I'm like, if you don't yeah. at least like some of their post-Matrix stuff, like, I don't really believe in your tastes. Like, I mm. won't really hear your recommendations for stuff. Mm-hmm. You know? All right. A little hard. I mean, here's the thing, is that, like, I love this movie. I, I, I remember, this is one of those weird ones where they had to release, like, a seven-minute trailer to get hype for it. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember that? I do remember that. And it was, like, a big deal. And it was kind of the thing where, like, the Wachowskis had kind of disappeared for a little bit, um, which I, I think it only been a few years. When was Speed Racer? It was about four years since Speed Racer. Um, but, like, nothing else seemed to really be panning out for him. And then it was just, like, this trailer just dropped. It's fucking Cloud Atlas. <laughs> like, it's coming. And it was one of those where... I remember the trailer started playing before a YouTube video I was going to watch, and normally I would just wait for, like, the skip thing to show up, and I would skip, but, like, I stayed and watched the whole thing. I was like, what the fuck is this movie? (laughs) And I was, and this was at a time where I was kind of, like, iffy on the Wachowskis. Like, I'm not, I wasn't as firm in my opinions as, I I had let people convince me I didn't actually like Speed Racer Mm -hmm. (laughs) and shit like that. And so I was kind of like, I don't know, but, like, it feels like we should all show up for a, a new Wachowski film, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I went, like, opening weekend. It was in the biggest theater at my mall, and it's, like, me and six other people. <laughs> and it's like, uh, oh, well. <laughs> and it's, like, a it's a three-hour movie. Did not feel it at all, which is kind of incredible in its own right. Yeah. And... I was just, I was fucking blown away that it worked, like, (laughs) that it didn't, like, that I wasn't sitting there going, like, what the fuck is going on, that it worked, and I was like, that's just daring, and, like, and daring in that I think this should be, like, a mainstream blockbuster movie, frankly, like, this should be a movie targeted at general audiences, and I think general audiences would be able to handle it if they knew it fucking existed, you know? Yeah. I just don't think the word got out enough. Although, there are some people that, like, the moment you jump around in time are just like, I'm out, which bugs me. Yeah, I, I think there was a lot of criticism about Greta Gerwig's um, Little Women for that, mm-hmm. where they're like, I just can't keep track of it. And that one which I could at least understand, because it's, like, the color timing and, and the color palette that, that was different there, not, like, any big signifiers. Although, I might argue that that's a big signifier enough that's a fucking big signifier yeah i don't if you couldn't follow that i don't know what's wrong yeah like Uh, i'm sorry yeah (laughs) no it's fine i'll fuck i'm with you i'm with you i was trying to be polite i've seen plenty of nonlinear films where i was like oh like it like sometimes it's jarring or it took me a second like or you know sometimes i've had to like get help on it but like little women is probably like if you're gonna do it do it like little women Mm -hmm. (laughs) like yeah it's one of the also it really works here i think because the shifts between the six different stories it's not it doesn't just feel like a shift between six different stories it like it really feels like you're flipping through channels watching different movies you know Uh, kind of but i think it's more like controlled than channel surfing though you know i think well no definitely yeah 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 Um, it's really but i'm just saying that if you like if you turn if you're just going on the visuals of the movie like shut the sound off and it 
you can tell when it's changed to a different story just visually. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, and not even with the like, oh, it's clearly, this is clearly in the future, this is clearly in the past. Like, there's just something to the cinematography every time it shifts, which I, I kind of found fascinating. Yeah, and um, I don't know enough about how it was shot. Was that like, did they use like different lens types and stuff like that? And I'm not talking I like don't know. focal lenses. I mean like, you, you know, like different different like productions of the lens i don't know enough either but there are two cinematographers and it's also the thing oh oh, there you go (laughs) it's it's three directors and the wachowskis directed three of the stories and tom tyker directed the other three so it wasn't like they were all working on the same stories together Mm -hmm. like it was very much one where they all went off and shot their individual sequences and then in editing they kind of brought it together um which is also impressive yeah yeah um, um, so describe what this film is about, Matt. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Well, I also well, didn't mention uh, that this is the failed award contender, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know why you're here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's in the title. Now, I'm totally fine with doing this episode for a lot of reasons. Not just to talk about another Wachowski's film. Is... Do you really think this had a chance at getting, like, awards love? I absolutely do. Okay. Because uh, one of the people in this movie is Tom Hanks. Oh, uh, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, but also, I don't know if you remember, I think it was uh, the, the Toronto Film Festival, or one of the film festivals where they showed this movie, it got, like, a huge standing ovation. I and, do like, remember buzz- hearing that. The buzz around that was like, holy shit, you're not going to believe this fucking movie. Mm-hmm. And it kind of felt like, oh man, this might they might get something um, from this. And you're not totally sure. And But then like it kind of came out and it kind of just like immediately died. Um, I, was it like a summer release? Alright, it was released in October. Okay, that's not a summer release, no. but... You know what? Um, this feels like a November-December movie. It does. I, I, like, um, also, I feel like, like maybe just missed it, you know? Mm-hmm. It's a thing of, like, I feel like it's too genre-y for a awards contender, but it's also, like, too dramatic or melodramatic for uh, the average moviegoer. Like, it's one of these movies where it's just a movie without a country at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I'm saying, like, to me, this should be, like, the standard. Like, this is, to me, in a way, should be, like, poor man's uh tree of life <laughs> you know what i'm saying i i, I guess well like here's the, like, you watch tree of life and it's like you know why the average american isn't gonna watch tree of life mm. right and then cloud atlas comes along and it's like hey but what if tree of life had a cyberpunk shootout <laughs> and it's like i'm fucking there like no, speaking like, of oh, tree of like, life jessica chastain to this day still says that's like the the most important role she's ever done. She feels it's the most her she's been able to put into a production. It's the most revealing of her like emotional state and Mm -hmm. to match it to cloud Atlas. Tom Hanks still to this day says it's one of his top three, like filmmaking like experiences. Mm -hmm. He says making it was magical and it was made on a hope and a dream and nothing but a circle of love. And frankly, that's kind of the perfect description for cloud Atlas. Yeah. And also I think it's one of these things where it was like, when Tom Hanks signed on, Halle Berry signed on, and then when those two names were attached, like, that's what got the movie made, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, it was one of those. Like Now we can put Tom Hanks' face on the poster. Now, 
they put Tom Hanks as like the future post-apocalyptic tribal man <laughs> on the poster. So it takes you a minute. You know, is that Tom Hanks? <laughs> but... Yeah, maybe maybe put the different Tom Hanks there. Kind of take people by surprise when they watch the movie. Yeah, put the you know the scientist Tom Hanks, even though he's like barely in it. Yeah, but, like, just lie. You look at it, you're like, that's Tom Hanks. Yeah, just just fucking lie. You know. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, why not? Like, that's the time to lie when you're marketing the fucking movie. Mm. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, all I'm saying is that, like, I, it, this, it's one of those movies where, like, I've, I've forced people to watch Cloud Atlas and they've all liked it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, people are like, I don't know, it's three hours. Like, what the fuck is this movie? You can't even describe it, like, in a coherent <laughs> way. And I'm just like, fucking, just fucking watch it. And then they all end up liking it. And, you know, I just, I, it was such a bummer when, like, it didn't do well. And it kind of felt like for a bit that, like, at this and then with Jupiter Ascending, like, really not doing well, it was like, oh, it might be over. Um, so it was so cool when Matrix 4 happened. Yeah. But, um, hey, it's, it is weird that they keep getting these, like, massive swings. Like, this is, like, a hundred million dollar movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they had to put a lot of their own money into it, but... Um, still. <laughs> um, God, how do you even fucking Oh, have you read the movie? book? Uh, have you... I, oh, hang on, my, my fucking microphone. Okay, I have not read, uh, I have not read the book. That's okay, alright, that's cool. It's, uh, David, uh, Mitchell, um, who also wrote the new Matrix movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and the book is structured a little different where... We cry, in chronological order, we get um, half of each story, and it like so we build up until we get to the future tribal post apocalypse, and then it goes in reverse and tells the other half of each story. Oh wow! So, so it's like book ended with the Pacific Journal of Adamuing, and then you know the story of Zachary is right in the middle. Oh okay, that's uh, that's really fucking interesting. Um, so like they they really changed like the whole shape of it for uh, the movie, which is I, which is something I like. It, it helps give both movies kind of like their individual feel. The movie and the book kind of gives them an individual feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, See, I'm super into it when like uh, stories can kind of shake up the, the the way they're presenting their story. Not for no reason, you know. Don't just get weird with it just cause. But like, okay, I finally started reading House of Leaves. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. Mm. Whoa! <laughs> one of those like unadaptable books. Like that's one where like I wouldn't even know. You know what? what? Do. I think you could do it, but you do have to change up the way you're making like like presenting the movie to the audience. Like it, it yeah. can't just be like you have to present it as like a haunted house story, and that's all I'll say. Like please read House of Leaves so I have people to talk about it with. But it's like really good. <laughs> it's really good, but also I didn't some horror movie just rip off like kind of one of the p- parts of House of Leaves. Really? Yeah. Which one? Um, I can't remember. It was some movie about a fucking house. Like, fucking hack writer stole the idea what, before I could. But it was literally just, they just took the gimmick of, like, uh, the house is, like, it, it doesn't match. Like, the shape of the house doesn't make sense. Okay, but that's, that's, like, that's kind of like a common creepypasta thing at this point, though. Yeah. yeah. But I think House of Leaves is kind of responsible for that. Oh, totally. I, that of, totally makes sense. Yeah. Because I think House of Leaves was originally posted, like, online. Like way back in the day. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's. It, I'm fucking loving it, and so I only bring that up because of like the similarities and like uh, experimental structure, like Cloud Atlas. Mm-hmm. But it's. I yeah. really love it when stuff can pull that off. You know. 
And the book, and I, I think it's present here, but it's more present in the book, I would say, is that there's like, yes, there's all this interconnectivity between the stories, but there's a lot of debate about whether or not these stories take place in the same reality. Like, in the book, it's like, oh, it's a guy-specific journal, which is, uh, this journal is mentioned in the letters, um, and then those letters are read in uh, uh, the fucking, like, mystery story about the nuclear power plant, which becomes, like, a mystery novel, (laughs) Um, which is, like, a hard-boiled detective novel, which is adapted into a a comedy film, basically, um, which then... Um, is watched by someone who will give it a statement that will be the foundation for a religion. There's like an unreliable narrator thing between each story. So you don't know how true everything is or if they're even really true stories, but there's like a truth even connecting them, even if they aren't real, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, which I like, I said, it's, I think it's present in the film. I think it's a little more pronounced in the book. Um. Was everyone able to follow what I just said about <laughs> the different stories? Well, here's something I really like about all of it. It reminded me, I think I brought it up in the Speed Racer episode too, but like, it reminds me of, of the climax of Speed Racer where like all these emotions and like the character oh, yeah. arcs like intersect with Speed's triumphant moment at the end. And you're but cutting what if back that and forth. was the whole movie? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and... I, I think the one thing that kind of makes Cloud Atlas like not uniformly as strong to Speed Racer to me is that Speed Racer has time to really build to that connection, mm-hmm. you know, and like that's 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 not a problem with Cloud Atlas. That's just a personal thing. I could see someone saying this is their least favorite Wachowski's movie or their yeah. favorite Wachowski's movie, completely. Mm-hmm. I think really what this is, and this is not like a judgment statement on people that like don't like this movie or anything, um, but I think it's revealing that like deep down I'm just a real dopey motherfucker because mm-hmm. like I just I'm already invested if you're trying to do a story about like the interconnectivity of all things. Oh yeah, and, no, like, no, no, no. I fuck. I mean, we both love this movie. We haven't. It's said incredible, it point, but, we, but I get it. Like yeah. it's shorthand. It's not like it doesn't delve into these things that maybe some people would want to like get to a greater truth but to me it's like i don't need that because i kind of already feel that way like i'm deep down i'm like a romantic (laughs) about the universe even when i get on here and i yell and complain about literally everything (laughs) but um you know maybe you need a little more um i'm not saying if like like an optimist will like it but a cynic will hate it i'm not gonna i'm not saying that um but I could like it says a lot about someone if you like it or don't like it in some ways. Um, I think so, yeah. Yeah, and again, it's not not good or bad. Like, it's not a value statement. Like, if you're if I'm not judging you if you don't like this movie. Yeah, I, I do think you're right. He does reveal like a perspective at least. And again, yeah, mm-hmm. not a moral quality, not moral mm-hmm. fiber of an individual, just a perspective. Yeah. That's fine. And I'll just say, and if Tree of Life had a cyberpunk shootout, I probably would have liked it even more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot. You're the one that, that's like, fuck Terrence Malick or whatever. I No, I am not fuck Terrence Malick. I don't know. I, I, I just, got these old recordings. No, I did not say fuck Terrence Malick. I could, I could point to the recording. Okay. <laughs> and I just said that it, like, I all I said <laughs> was that I didn't get a transcendent feeling <laughs> watching Terrence Malick, which... 
has happened like maybe four times in my life. <laughs> like, you know, that is, it's a rare thing. <laughs> that was all I said was that I didn't get the transcendence that a lot of people seem to get from Tree of Life. And that's not... <laughs> and it's still a great movie. I wasn't saying anything deeper than that. All right, all right, all right. So, although I did kind of get a transcendent feeling with Cloud Atlas. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's not 100%, but, like, I definitely watched this, and then I was like, oh, <laughs> it's capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> We were talking about Atlas Shrugged at the beginning, you know. Um, this movie, 2012, we're, we're ramping up to the 2012 election. Everyone's acting like it's going to be really close, and then it wasn't. Um, and I'm, like, really disillusioned with liberalism because of Obama just being a bigger war hawk than Bush was and, and doing nothing, you know, about the financial crisis. And I was like, well, maybe... Maybe the problem was regulation itself. Maybe we have to decentralize all the banks in a way where everyone is kind of working in it. And maybe like that's kind of the libertarian bent to look at things. And I was definitely feeling that way in 2012. And I'm not saying I immediately came out of this movie and was like, oh shit. <laughs> but it definitely was like the cracks that's, that led to whatever change eventually happened in my brain. <laughs> that's, that's interesting. I, I definitely clung on I guess like the old ways a little longer like it, it took mm. me a, a bit to shake it off and like realize that like things weren't working and that's definitely like a byproduct of them not directly affecting me too much yeah. personally you know and yeah. um I think my like coming to Jesus moment with regards to all of um America and and, and capitalism's failures like the revelation of, of the systemic issues and like me seeing them clearly for the first time, maybe mm. that's a big part of my reevaluation of the Wachowskis. Like as I yeah. got older, you know, like it, it allowed me to embrace the more earnest stuff that was more critical of these things. Still, mm -hmm. I don't know. No, no, I, I think you're a hundred percent right. I think that was also the thing I was failing to see at the time was I kind of saw, like even the libertarianism is like kind of like a blanket solution. I kind of saw it as like well, libertarianism is actually going to solve a bunch of different issues that have nothing to do with each other. <laughs> and what I didn't see was that all those issues were kind of coming from a very similar source. You know? Mm -hmm. um, that was all it kind of took me to see at a certain point. Um, and I, this, a movie like this definitely helped. Um, and, you know, I mean, it's, it's literally, I mean... So, so did you, you did you pick up like that every story kind of has a reference to cannibalism? Yeah, it? yeah, no, yeah. That's not an accident. Mm -hmm. Like that's which and like when you get to the fucking cyberpunk future and they're literally like feeding people to each other, mm -hmm. like and it's like, oh, okay, <laughs> yeah, this is this is uh, yeah, these are these are the same problem, and it's like and it, you know it's it's dumb again. I'm like it's 2012. I'm just graduating high school. So it's also like, oh, so you're saying there's something similar about uh, the slave trade to a, like an evil nuclear power plant, <laughs> like, and I'm like, hmm, wow, it's weird how there's kind of parallels here. <laughs> and then it's like, and then there's like a post, and it was kind of like all that, like everything kind of came into focus real quick 
during that one screen. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I think that's also part of the reason why some people that maybe don't like this movie very much or like put off by it, like they don't really recognize film as like a medium for kind of um, discovering truth. Like I I love listening to Guillermo del Toro talk about stuff, uh, anything, Mm -hmm. not just movies, but like he, he, he was asked recently uh, about Nightmare Alley and like the, that movie's about a, a con man. And he was asked like, do you think filmmakers are kind of con men trying to con people into watching the, like the art? And he's like, no, I, I think cause con men sell something fake. I think we're selling something real. It can be packaged in like fake stuff. Like, like, but the, the creation of it with the different artists involved, like that's a real thing. That's a tangible thing. A con artist sells you a lie. So what I'm saying is cloud Atlas is, is giving people a truth and if you can't like recognize or you haven't been able to recognize like certain issues uh surrounding us in our daily lives it might be a little more difficult to get on board with it or or you know i'll, I'll even i'll even go a, a, a different step with it where if you only see movies as like vehicles for plot yeah right, i think you will be put off by this movie but i also think the funny thing is though i gotta disagree a little bit i think you could still totally find this movie engaging just on a plot level. If only because there is so much plot. <laughs> like, And I think all the individual stories are very entertaining. Uh, I would agree. All I would like... agree. But like, let me push back on, on that point. Because like, I think when people want like their movies, like, I'm still seeing people be like, well, you, you know, the uh, Jordan Peele's Us, it had a lot of plot holes. And it's like, it doesn't. He just didn't like what it was going for, and that's fine. Yeah. But, you know, like, that, that kind of mentality where it's like, ah, there's all these plot holes. I don't I don't think they really thought their story through. No, no, no. The people thought, the, thought their story through. They're not focused on relating it to, like, a tangible reality. <laughs> that's all. Mm-hmm. You know? And so okay. I, I think, like, Cloud Atlas isn't super invested in in that aspect, I guess. I, I would agree, but I also think this movie kind of, like, if you were a plot hole guy, like, you wouldn't know what to fucking do with this movie. Like... It was just, like, it, great. It, like, you show this to a founding father and they just drop dead. Yeah, but, but... I mean, I just think that it's one of those things where to actually go and find quote-unquote plot holes, you'd have to put in a lot more effort. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, and then, like, I don't think those people would even bother, but if you just take it as it is, I think it's... I don't know, it seems to work on more people than you would expect. At least in terms of being an entertaining movie. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying everyone comes out of it with their fucking life changed. Like, yeah. I think that's a little more rare, but I also think most people don't go into movies wanting that. Um, and also I think you would come into this movie, totally get what it was going for, and still not like it. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Um, You're wrong, but that's fine. Alright, well, we'll get, we'll go into that a little more. Um... Do we want to talk about uh, the individual stories? Um, just like give like a brief overview. Uh, go for <laughs> it. <laughs> All right. Um, Look, because I will well, say this: I I love this movie. There's one big thing we have to talk about later, um, but I love this movie. I kind of take it like just like nonstop as a whole. You know, like I find it very overwhelming in a good way. That mm. like I really. Even for this, I, I, I kind of struggled to, like, parse individual moments or sequences because it's all so interconnected, which is the point of the film, and I, that's why I think it's so beautiful. 
but it, it's I could use a guide through it I guess is what I'm saying mm -hmm. so go um, for it alright well I mean I'm only just I'm just gonna give like brief overviews of what the individual stories are mm. like I'm not gonna go I'm not gonna and I'm not gonna tell it chronologically like I'm not gonna tell the order it's in the film mm -hmm. I guess um, cause it's like the first story um, is Adam Ewing um, played by Jim Sturgis uh He's in the Pacific Islands. He's he's about to close a deal on like a big slave trade, correct? Mm -hmm. Um, but he's also he's got he's got like a parasite in him. Is that what it was? They thought it was at least. I think so. Yeah. He's... And so he's meeting with a doctor, um, Doctor Henry Goose, played by Tom Hanks, who gives Tom Hanks just got to say right off the bat, gives some wild fucking performances. Yeah. In this movie. <laughs> And only one of them is, like, the Tom Hanks we kind of recognize. <laughs> um, and Henry Goose is a wild doctor. <laughs> um, his opening, he's in a, he's in a, can a former cannibal's banquet hall. And he, he gives, like, a little monologue. This was a cannibal's banquet hall. <laughs> like, and he's picking, and he's going through the teeth, and he's like, they, the teeth they would spit out. Do you know how much this would earn? <laughs> It's like, you got two Academy Awards, Tom Hanks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Adam Ewing sailing back. He ends up uh, running into a stowaway trying to escape uh, the slave trade who helps him. Um, so he vouches for the stowaway, um, offers him safe passage. The stowaway ends up saving him because it turns out Henry Goose wasn't trying to help Adam Ewing. He was slowly poisoning him so he could steal all his money. Um, so it's like, oh, uh, like, uh, uh, I'm going to use some language that can hint at maybe some of the more problematic elements of this movie, but, uh, quote unquote, savage saves a, you know, rich person mm. and powerful person. Um, the second story is about Robert Frobisher, who is, um, he's a pianist. He is writing letters, uh, to his lover, um, Robert Forbes is bisexual. He's writing um, letters to his gay lover about a job where he's going to try and con his way into. He can't really get work because he's he's um, he's homosexual, which uh, was very much illegal at, in the time. Um, we follow his letters, his time working with uh, this composer, whose name I can't remember. I didn't even write it down. Um, who's played by Jim Broadbent. Um, and... Uh, he ends up like, he ends up sleeping with uh, Broadbent's wife, who's played by Halle Berry. Halle Berry in whiteface, mm -hmm. which is interesting. Um, and then it it culminates in him going on the run because like he gets in a fight with the guy, he assaults him, and then he commits suicide by the end of the story. In the beginning of the movie, he is right. We we read from the letter where he is um, preparing for his suicide. Um, cut ahead. To San Francisco um, with Louisa Ray, who is an investigative reporter, correct? Yes. Um, and she's investigating um, a chance encounter with a man the night before who um, is the older... Who, who is that actor? I can't remember that guy. James Darcy. Um, he plays Rufus Sixsmith in two stories. The only character, I believe, that crosses over mm -hmm. from both stories entirely um, he plays young Rufus Sixsmith in the le in the previous story, and now old Rufus Sixsmith. He has all these letters, and he what is it? 
Oh god, I forget what he has exactly. <laughs> you remember? Uh, for it's like a report. Yeah, his report that's going to reveal this nuclear power plant is actually like a boondoggle, mm-hmm. right? And it's gonna it's like deliberately kind of being run poorly. Um, but he gets killed. But he uh, he leads Louisa Ray to start investigating this power plant, um, and she uncovers this mystery. Right? Mm-hmm. I don't need to explain all the details. <laughs> Um, London, 2012, the year the movie was released. Probably my favorite story, if I'm being honest. Uh, the ghastly ordeal of Timothy Cavendish. <laughs> um, Jim Broadbent, who is like this really, uh, scrupulous book publisher. <laughs> um, he publishes a book, and the author ends up murdering a, fil- a book critic <laughs> at a party by throwing him off a roof. <laughs> And uh, that leads to the sales of this book skyrocketing. But the author, who's now in prison, all of his, like, thug friends show up and start shaking him down for money. <laughs> so he's he's desperate to try and pay these guys off. Ends up getting set up by his... his uh, is it his brother or brother-in-law? It's his brother-in-law. Because he slept with his brother-in-law's wife. Is, like, the unspoken thing <laughs> that happened. Um, he gets sent to a retirement community that basically just takes old people hostage and makes them disappear for families. Um, so he has to orchestrate with the other old people to escape. And it's basically like One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, but if it was more of just a straight comedy the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> it, do- it doesn't end on a super dour note. <laughs> um, then we end up in fucking Blade Runner, <laughs> which is probably the polar opposite of that story. <laughs> Uh, with Sonmi451, who is this revolutionary giving a testament about, like, how she came to be. Um, she's, what are they called? Are they called replicants? They're called something No, they're else. called uh, fabricants. Fabricants, okay. Pretty I mean, close. You could have just, just called them replicants. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, I mean, it's a clear, like, influence. It's straight up. It's Blade Runner, yeah. like, is, is what it is. Uh, she started out as a, I'm gonna call her replicant. Fuck it, as a replicant working in a a restaurant who ends up kind of being exposed to the truth of the world. Like it's kind of like it's it's kind of a Matrix story, you know, mm-hmm. of just like she gets to see what the real world is and becomes a revolutionary. And her testament um, becomes the foundation for a religion worshipped in the post apocalypse by Tom Hanks, who plays Zachary who is a tribal man living... I believe it's Hawaii. Is that where it is? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's um, the last one. It's a post-apocalyptic Hawaii um, where there are... Can- there are raiding, there's, there's bands of cannibals running around. Um, and he ends up teaming up with Halle Berry, who... Um, I can't tell... Like, what? what is she... Like, what do they call her? Um, cause she's, she's from outside the tribe, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <sighs> prescience. Prescience. Is that it? Okay. Um, they're, they're like an advanced society that yes, lives yeah, yeah, outside prescience. of the island. Prescience. Um, and she, uh, is trying to use a communications array on the island to reach out to like off-world colonies to come and kind of rescue them. And, Oh, and a clever subversion. It's kind of the same story as the first story, except this time, the white guy is the savage, and 
does the rescuing and saves a person of color who is the more advanced society. Which, there's a lot to say there. <laughs> it's, I, I guess this this is the point where we have to kind of talk about the the beauty of this narrative is also, I wouldn't say bungled, I would say endearingly misguided until it stops being endearing with um, <laughs> yellow face, brown face. Yeah. Um, it's, Is there brown face in it? Uh, Duna Bay plays a Mexican woman. Oh, okay, yes, yes, yeah. okay. Um, yeah, that's not good. No. <laughs> and Halle Berry <laughs> no. doing white face is not the same, by the way, for anyone yeah, curious. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking, I was like, yeah, white face, like, whatever. Yeah, like, like no, sorry, no one cares about you people, but... <laughs> I will say, um, it says a lot, like, we can say something where we can go on about, like, oh, um, this, this is just misguided, like, you know, they're trying to make a greater point, and they kind of fumbled what they were doing. But it's a little pointed that the one actor that shows up in the Blade Runner universe, but also isn't in Yellowface, is Academy Award winner Tom Hanks. Mm-hmm. Like, they made sure to give him a role that didn't require him to be in Yellowface. Yeah. And I gotta say, it's it's a huge dropping of the ball, because also, when we see uh, Neo Soul, it's in, it's in Korea, like, when we see this world, um, there are non-Korean people, <laughs> Korean people, living in Neo Soul. Like, they didn't have to make all these people Korean, mm-hmm. you know? Or they could have cast another Korean actor. Yep. I little... Look, I would just say, if you want these interconnected stories with these individual actors that you've cast, mm-hmm. maybe just don't have them in Yellowface. Yeah. I don't think let's it's up, that let's... difficult. That's what I'm saying. I honestly think you could have had these characters in... Uh, the Neo Soul storyline and just not have them be in Yellowface. Yeah, like, yeah, you know. You know? You know? Just, it, it would have would have been, it would have worked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and you know, I know this is the breaking point for some people because it's yeah. just uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And it's not, like, it, it's not acceptable anymore. And mm-hmm. it, this, you know, this was 10 years ago now. Oh my gosh, the 10 year anniversary of Cloud Atlas. <laughs> 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 holy shit um and even then like it should not have been acceptable and this really feels like kind of the last like instance of that yeah and i also think it was something where um if had the movie been bigger i think it would have been like a bigger story i think it just flew under the radar more because no one really saw this thing mm-hmm. um, but the people who did um were either didn't notice or were rightfully upset yeah that is the true <laughs> so truth. i, I I watched this movie and like I did not come out of it being like it was good but man that yellow face was a mistake like I kind of had to have someone else tell me that it was a mistake if you just want to know where my mind was mm-hmm. just post high school and I kind of like I was like like I was like yeah but like the movie's really good and I'm like I kind of had to be like yeah but that's that's not good <laughs> like doing that's not there's no real excuse for it um so yeah, it's bad. and I think that, you know what? I didn't want to go looking for it, but I remember the Wachowskis making a statement that like didn't help things. Aww. Yeah, um, no one's so. perfect. No one's perfect. Not an excuse. But, just saying. Yeah, it's a, uh, you know, at least it does. It's it's it wasn't coming from a place of like trying to make Asian people look like monsters. You know. Mm-hmm. Although fucking. 
Uh, did you did you notice Halle Berry's cameo in the Neo Soul part? Oh, yeah, like that that one's real rough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's almost like Fu Manchu levels. Yeah, like, um, at least it's like thirty seconds maybe, but mm-hmm. it's still really bad. Um, but it was it didn't seem like it was being made to demonize people but it's still it, yeah, yeah it's still, you know it's still mis- it's still horribly yeah. misguided at best mm-hmm. unfortunately yeah and, and look again I, I get i get someone being like yeah this turns me off to the movie like and i yeah. think it says a lot that like they no one in this did blackface you know mm-hmm. like uh it's where on some level, they knew that it was wrong, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Like if they if if this was a filmmaker coming in and being like, "Look, I know this isn't fucking politically correct. I know that what, but like I'm trying to make a fucking point about the interconnectivity of all things, and if it upsets you, I don't care, you know." Which I'm not saying I'd agree with that, <laughs> but there'd at least be some consistency to it. But that's there's not really that consistency here. Yeah. Um. Yeah, if you can't get over that, I get it. And, uh, yeah, let's never do that again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know some people, like, have a problem with the, uh, multiple roles in general, which I don't at all. I kind of like Yeah, that. I, I love that. Movie. I think this this kind of elevates already great material there. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know. Uh, for, for a story about, like, interconnectivity through all living things throughout time and space, like... I don't know that that makes perfect sense to me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's also kind of like watching a play, in a way. Like this is obviously such a cinematic movie experience as a whole, but like mm-hmm. I don't know. In plays, sometimes it's like if it's if it's chronicling someone's life, sometimes people will play similar roles. And it's like yeah. I don't know. It's not it's not unfounded. Yeah, I, mean, I think it. I think people just saw it as like a little too cute, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially when you got like fucking Tom Hanks's Dermot Hoggins, yeah, that... which is just a, a wild performance, and he's on screen for like maybe two minutes, mm-hmm. but it's like oh my god. <laughs> and I think Tom Hanks gave an interview where you know it's Tom Hanks being Tom Hanks, where he said like I took the role because I wanted to be the guy who threw a critic off a roof, <laughs> like... <laughs> uh, which that's that's just a wild scene in general. <laughs> Well, uh, oh, what the fuck was, um, what does he say? That's, that's the true, true. Oh yeah. True, true. That's later. Yeah. And, um, which, I mean, there's also something to say about its portrayal of like enlightened and, and quote unquote savage. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but I, I, you know, it's trying to be something where it's like, oh, oh, you know, we're still human at the end of the day. Um, but you know, there's, there's some optics at work here yeah, <laughs> that yeah. are a little troubling. Uh, I mean, it, it is that class. I mean, there's I've, I've read so many fucking science fiction from like the 60s and 70s where it'd be like, what if the white man was a savage? <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, hey, maybe uh, we should start thinking about those terms a little bit more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it's also, it's that thing of like, uh, you know, like so, so much of history is written with the idea that like, it like, progress is like inherently good but it's also like you know there's there were plenty of societies that were like nomadic and were perfectly happy just being that way the rest of their lives you know Mm -hmm. 
and they live fulfilling lives, and they actually worked a lot less than we did. <laughs> and uh, and then we just decided it would be a better idea to wipe them out. <laughs> and then we justified that later by being like, well, see, it's just progress. So there's definitely some of that at work here. I'm not sure how much of it comes together totally. Because mm-hmm. this is a movie that ends with, like, escaping to the stars, which is, like, the kind of, like, Star Trek, like, belief of, like, our natural direction for society. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that we should populate the universe. Although I do remember being in theaters with that reveal being like, holy shit, they're not on Earth. Yeah. <laughs> I do remember that. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, that, that's, it's got that, like, boundless optimism that the best star mm-hmm. trek has I, I like that you brought that up where it's like yeah you know like the, the potential of us is, is really limitless like there's no that, end to it and that optimism is something though that is totally should be interrogated as much as possible mm-hmm. like where it's like is that sort of progression a is it natural which i would argue it's not necessarily mm-hmm. but b is it worth it or is it okay in a lot of ways because we end up bringing a lot of our problems like the, what you need to do in order to progress like it, there's a cost to it and we have to ask if that cost is worth it sometimes yeah or i mean the the, the mere idea of someone like elon musk being like you know we have to colonize the stars and it's like don't no, we don't we don't we don't have yeah. to do anything what are you talking well, even about think about the the word like even that where it's like colonized space yeah like that's an inherently only... like fucked up word given the history of it on this planet why would it be better yeah. up there and it's, it's a reflection of us like we kind of have it reckoned with like the, the quote-unquote colonization of america's might not have really been a good thing to do mm-hmm. <laughs> um it's where we're at so like it's not like i could go like it's i'm not arguing that like we should invent a time machine go back in time and stop it from happening but we have to go like it it's we have to interrogate that as much as possible but then like but so much of our society like is centered around the belief that like these are just things that were naturally going to happen and they are inherently good because look at you know it's kind of ends justifies the means in a lot of way mm-hmm. you know it's a thing of like if we do end up turning into a society where it's like oh we are conquering the stars you know, does that make everything that happened leading up to it worth it? Yeah. <laughs> and um, I would say no. But, hey. Uh, how is, how's Star Trek these days? <laughs> Has Star Trek interrogated any of this? I don't know. Um, I, I genuinely don't know. I, I'd be interested in checking out uh, at least a couple of the new shows more. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw a couple of the pilots and was not very taken with them. So yeah. maybe I'll go back. I think they're all up to their third season, and it's always like around the third season they hit their stride. All right. So yeah, gotta well start. No, Star Trek Picard's on its second season. I thought Star Trek Picard just started its third season. No, it got or it, it got greenlit for a third and final season. That will be the okay. last season of Star Trek Picard because okay, God bless Sir Patrick Stewart. He is like eight thousand years old. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, uh, that's probably one to end. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Although I, I, I'll give him credit, too, because he, he has said, like, the reason he came back for it, uh, apart from the paycheck, was that he um, he wasn't interested until it was pitched that, like, it was a different Picard, like, who had lived experiences, and he wasn't going to be the same guy. He wasn't just going to pick up where the finale left off, and it would be, mm-hmm. like, the old show. He was promised it would be a new show. And to their credit, they definitely delivered a new show. 
And that's why everyone's really happy with it. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> that's um, all you need to know. Yes. Um, we should also talk about... Um, there is the whole birthmark thing in this movie. Um, which is like kind of like... it's We're kind of following one soul as it travels through different bodies. At least that's the implication, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so we go from Adam Ewing to Zachary. Um, although I believe in the book, uh, the the birthmark in the final story appears on Halle Berry's character and not Tom Hanks's character. Oh, okay. Um, which is interesting, an interesting change. I think maybe they change it just for that visual because we don't see the birthmark until we see the back of bald Tom Hanks's head in the final shot. <laughs> like, so... <laughs> Uh, maybe that's what it was ultimately but it also it leads to this interesting reading of the movie where when you have all these recastings you can follow the arc of these characters through the different roles they play in different times but you can also follow this specific soul as it travels through times and that's that's a soul played by different people each time mm-hmm. um, which is kind of interesting Yes. Although, hey, the time doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. What do you mean, um, like the? Well, if it's if it's very specifically the same soul, and it's probably not, but uh, that means Louisa Ray and Timothy Cavendish were alive. At, like, oh the same yeah, time. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so. I, I, I guess not. If you want your own interpretation on that, I guess you could probably figure that out too. Uh, maybe maybe it was a split soul. Maybe that's why Timothy Cavendish was such a boob. Yeah. <laughs> Or um, or it's like the thing. Sure, that's 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 not even close to, to probably that's the what reveal. It is, yeah, that's the reveal. This is actually a thing, prequel and sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I think the uh, the Cloud Atlas sextet, which is the piece of music that Robert Frobisher composes, isn't really a sextet, like. I've had people say that to me, and I'm not totally sure. Oh yeah, I'm not. I am not that musical. Also, it's described. It's described very differently in in the book. Like, I think here it's more like a simple melody, whereas I think in the book it's more like, kind of like avant garde a little bit. Mm-hmm. But maybe it made more sense to make it a little more palatable for a general audience. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know what? Though we haven't talked about uh, my boy. Yeah. Hugo Weaving. Hugo Weaving. Yeah. <laughs> who plays the embodiment of pure evil <laughs> in every story. He's literally because by the end he is literally just the spirit. <laughs> like by the end of it he's not even a physical person. He's old Georgie who's like the devil. <laughs> um goddamn Hugo is He's good so in this. fucking great. Yeah. He's just the fucking uh, best. I, I'm so I'm still bummed that he wasn't in New Matrix. Like it's fine, I get it, but I, I would have loved to have seen him again. Um and also he's the ner- he's Nurse Noakes, which is crazy to see. <laughs> that was a reveal. I remember that in the theater being like, holy shit. <laughs> um Yeah, I don't it's also fucking Hugh Grant, um, which it's so odd that Hugh Grant is in this, really. Like, well, he's got this... like a weird career because he was kind of like a rom com darling. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's like a genuine like British thespian. 
Mm. Got um, caught with a sex worker, and then everything changed. Wait, what? Isn't that what happened with him? I, I don't know. I saw, oh, shit. I gotta, I gotta check. Sorry if I just threw something at him. Yeah, no, true. no. <laughs> um, Am I mixing him up with someone else? Maybe. Another British idiot. Who is the other British idiot? There's a lot of them. Um, oh, my God. Who... Who? Who? Come on. Because <laughs> I'm not finding anything. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. what. I could have sworn it was him. I could have sworn he was the one. Who's the other guy? Fuck. Well, what, 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 are you, what, what are you uh, uh, alleging? Some, some famous British actor got caught with a sex worker, and it was like classic like British tabloid shit for a while. Oh. And I could have sworn it was Hugh Grant. Huh. Let me let me let me do Hugh Grant Paddington two. No. Oh, you know <laughs> what? Here you go. And on June twenty seventh, nineteen ninety five, Grant was arrested in Los Angeles, California, in a police vice operation near Sunset yes. Boulevard for receiving oral sex in a public place from Hollywood sex worker Divine Brown. Okay. All right, so I was right. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was... I just remember that being, like, a thing, and then, like, it kind of affected his career, genuinely. And now he just pops up in weird shit. <laughs> yeah, no, he he said his favorite role he's ever done was uh, the villain in Paddington 2, and that's a great and he's performance. fantastic in that. Yeah. But we can't downplay that he... It, in this movie, um, starts off as, like, a reverend. Mm-hmm. He's a priest in the first story. Who is also a priest who says that, like, see, the Bible says slavery is actually fine and cool. Um, and then by the end, he's a straight-up, like, Mad Max cannibal. Yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of amazing. Oh, yeah, I know. He rocks. Um, I, I love I love his career. Um, yeah, I like Hugh Grant. Yeah. I like Jim Broadbent, too. Jim Broadbent's... Oh, Jim, Jim Broadbent's, famous. like, a, a pleasure. That's why he's so good yeah. in those last couple Harry Potters. I know, he's, he kind of... They don't give him enough, though, which is a shame. Um, especially in that last one. Well, the last like one, no lines. one... I, I'm much more positive on those movies. Not to relitigate Harry Potter again on here, but like I'm much more positive on those movies than you are. As much as I like that last movie, that last 15 minutes is just like atrocious. It just like mm-hmm. ends, and you have all these characters, all these lovable actors that we love to see, and it's just mm-hmm. like everyone kind of gets like a, a walk-on moment, and uh, it's so it feels yeah, so like half-assed. Scene. It should be like they, this triumphant finale. They get like a flat shot where they say something kind of fun. Yeah, and that's it. Ha- fucking Hagrid's only appearance in the film is like he walks in front of Harry, pats him on the shoulders, and goes Harry, and then walks off so the next person can do it. <laughs> David Yates, oh I will fucking fight you. Yeah, his fucking a... like father figure for the majority of these these movies, and it's. Ugh, it's so stupid. So like, fucking I, I'm stupid. Not, I'm not here to be like, they should deliver on fan service or anything like that, you know? No, no, but, but it, like, it's, it's, just, it's not a fan it's service. Just it's so just like obvious. a character. It has nothing. Yeah, it's it's so obvious what to do, you know? Yeah. It's, Sorry, it's like, I know, fuck J.K. Rowling, it's not, it's not about the sanctity yeah. of Harry Potter. I, it's just, 
yeah basic ass character shit you know how about those crimes of grindelwald <laughs> you know what i i didn't see the tra- i didn't see a single trailer for the second one and then i was like you know what let me see like what what are even these movies now and so i kind of I, I played it and i was like ah whatever and then i was like <laughs> by the end of it i i just kind of been looking back and forth while doing some other stuff and i was like wait a second isn't Catherine Waterston in these movies? Where's Catherine Waterston? Did they kill her off? I found out she is not killed off, but she did rightfully call out J.K. Rowling's uh, transphobic views and said people need to stand up to them. Good for her. Catherine Waterston. Good for her. You're a real one. Not that hard of a bar to cross, but she did it. And yeah. now she's not in any of the marketing materials for the new film. So That's hysterical. So um. someone hired Catherine Waterston because she's really great. Also, does it look like that... It Wasn't it supposed to be five movies, and it kind of feels like they're already trying to wrap it up with three? Yeah, I'm willing to bet uh, J.K. Rowling's like, no, we can still do this. And everyone else is like, dude, everyone wants yeah. to like, like put you on trial. Yeah. So Not only does no one like you anymore, you're also bad at this. Yeah, I mean, she's also <laughs> a bad screenwriter. Yeah, it would be one thing if, like, you know, she's an awful person, but she can write a, a script that is coherent and makes sense and is entertaining. Like, at the very Whereas, least, what this franchise should teach us, apart from J.K. Rowling being a hack, is mm-hmm. that George Lucas kind of pulled off the impossible and made a yeah. prequel trilogy that you don't have to admire or even like, but is worth investigating what he's trying to say with it. There is yeah. nothing worth saying in any Fantastic Beast movies, and I kind of enjoyed mm-hmm. the first one. Well, I think it's it's also something where, you know, not to psychoanalyze fucking J.K. Rowling, but I don't know if she has that ability to interrogate herself or her work in the way that George Lucas clearly was able to with the prequels, you know? Mm-hmm. A, lot of the, a lot of the prequels are about his relationship to Star Wars and his relationship to the film industry, you know? Yeah. And they're, they're, they're very, there's very much an internal journey going on with him, and that's why those movies are so critical of a lot of things, whereas fucking the Fantastic Beast movies like have no soul to them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but hey, hey, uh, it's gonna bomb. Like I don't feel any hype for. I it. think this one's gonna bomb. The last one didn't bomb, but it was like a drop off, like a notable drop off from the first Fantastic mm-hmm. Beast. And look, it's fucking Fantastic Beast. You you do Pokemon in the Wizarding World. It's not that difficult. Yeah, yeah. Pokemon and Harry Potter. Do you understand how many, like, fucking a Disney adults would simultaneously come in their pants if they heard that mm-hmm. pitch? Yeah, but J.K. Rowling doesn't know how to do that. Yeah, I know. I know. Again, she really I'm, does I'm, just, it. I'm getting like, mad about fucking shit that doesn't yeah. matter. Because it's, it's more entertaining than getting mad at shit that does matter. <laughs> That's why. That's why I'm doing this. Um, do you want to talk about, like, kind of the journeys of some of the individual actors in the film? Because I find that kind of interesting. I, like... Through their characters? Yeah, well, like, they, 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 a lot of them play different roles in each timeline, you know? And some of them are kind of the same person in every story, and some some change, some go... And the biggest one being Tom Hanks, which kind of makes sense, mm-hmm. you know? Um, he, he literally, like, the first story, he's literally, like, an evil doctor <laughs> <laughs> trying to, like, he's, he's trying to poison someone so he can rob them. Um, in the second story, he's that ho- he's only in it briefly. He's that hotel manager, remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, who starts extorting um, Ben Whishaw? Uh, in the third one, he's interesting. Where he is that scientist who kind of like is going to reveal to Louisa Ray what's going on, mm-hmm. and he gets that interesting. I like that where he gets that 
monologue where he's like writing he's like I just met this person for the first time and I feel like I'm in love you know yeah 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 and what's so interesting about it is that then he like immediately dies and it's it's something that no one would ever know about him you know like only the only we the audience know that like it's not a monologue of like a letter he wrote and then you're it's not like Robert Frobisher's letters you know his his life also ended tragically um but so his letters were passed on and were read by Louisa Ray. It's like he wrote this letter and then it's just it's just gone in that explosion. Um, but it is it brings back to I mean the movie kind of underlines its point very clearly at the end, where uh, Hugo Weaving is like, "You're you trying to change things will only amount to a drop a drop of water in an endless ocean," and then. Jim Sturgis is like, what is the sea but a multitude of drops? Yeah. Oh, it's no, like, that line's what? fucking incredible. I'm sorry. Fucking, like, throw, I don't know if that's like... drop the mic, motherfucker. Yeah. yeah. They, they fucking just walks out of the room. That doesn't happen. No. Um, <laughs> he could have, though. And I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And, I mean, that's kind of what goes on with his character in that story, where, like, he does the right thing and then immediately dies. <laughs> like, he's not rewarded for it. It's not like he did... And he did that because he felt this connection with her. And he, he, he was compelled... To do the right thing and then it's but that you know he that adds up over time mm-hmm. um, unfortunately he kind of regresses when he becomes Dermot Hoggins who is just like a, a, a street criminal <laughs> and he's only on screen long enough to murder a man yeah but that outfit is incredible it is I mean the look the accent is amazing yeah, <laughs> yeah look uh, if at the very least, if you don't admire Tom Hanks just fucking getting to go for it here, like, why do you even watch movies? Did you see that trailer for Elvis? No, I missed it. Oh my god, Tom Hanks is in it, he's fucking Tom going Hanks for is it in again. the fucking Elvis movie? Yeah. I did not know that. He is, I think, Oh like my Elvis god, is, sorry. He's, my levels he's like are just either, destroyed right now. But He's Colonel Tom Parker. He's, he's the manager of Elvis. And he's in a big uh, fat guy suit, which has got its own problems, <laughs> but he is given a performance, at least according to that trailer. Baz Luhrmann is letting him just fucking go for it. Fuck so. yeah. See, that's why I love Baz Luhrmann. Does his mm-hmm. stuff always work? No. Will he go for it? Absolutely. Goddamn Does right. Baz Luhrmann ever miss? Some people would argue the great Gatsby, they'd be wrong. Um, Australia is just kind of boring. That that's his miss for me. Yeah, I think Australia is a little, but it's like kind of a throwback to like those old epics. Yeah, know? yeah, I like, totally see what he's going for. It just doesn't. That's not him. Sorry. Yeah, in my opinion. Um, but I don't think I think he's somewhere where it's like you either watch you either like Baz Luhrmann or you don't. Yeah, like, yeah. Some people fucking hate him. And... I know. Yeah, like the nostalgia critic. Yeah, oh, that fucking idiot. Sorry, um, that Baz Luhrmann's kind of like the Australian Jean Pierre Jeunet. Like, if you like Jean Pierre Jeunet, you'll like Baz Luhrmann. You like Baz Luhrmann, you like Jean Pierre Jeunet. Yada yada. Still haven't really watched any of his films. Oh, I know. I'm trying to get you to watch more of them. I know. I, I you know what? I bought Amelie on Blu-ray because it was on sale, and I just haven't watched it. All right, you you might like. It kind of gets like a bad rap for being like quirky and whimsical and stuff like that. And like, I don't know. I but think I, there's more going on there. I never really get hung up on that, honestly. Okay. Like, I, usually if I'm annoyed with a movie being quirky, I'm annoyed with other things in the movie first. Mm-hmm. Like, I never show up and go, like, why the fuck is this movie so quirky? Okay. You would like, love, uh, I think, Delicatessen. 
and City mm. of Lost Children. City of yeah, Lost I, Children, I, I think, is his masterpiece. They're all on my list, but I just haven't really gotten to them. All right, all right. Um, who else do we want to talk about? Oh, yeah. Um, well, Cloud Atlas was not directed by Jean-Pierre Genet. No, it was not. No. No. What's, didn't he just release something? Yeah, Big Bug on Netflix. Oh, yeah, we talked about this. Yeah. I think we did anyway. Oh, it's bad. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah, that was a bummer. That's a, sh- that's a shame when you wait for the guy to come back. I know. Just... I still want him to do it. I still want him to keep making shit. But, mm-hmm. eh. Here's something. I, I, have the, I have that conflict where it's like, do I... I would really love for John Carpenter to come back. But do I want to risk like him doing another bad movie? You know, like I would say yes because it's I still another John Carpenter to, movie. But I think I th- people here. Let me just say my piece, and then you can go off and tell me to fuck myself or whatever. I think we get too hung up on needing movies to be like the next best thing. We we yeah. definitely called it out, but I think even we are guilty of it. We're like we need it to be better than the last thing, or we need it to be mm-hmm. great. And, like, sometimes yeah. flawed art becomes more interesting over time. Or sometimes bad stuff we can just appreciate at a distance. Like, like Ghost of Mars is, like, a bad movie. Mm-hmm. But I think it kind of rocks because it's bad. It is, it is kind of fun. Yeah. Like. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Sometimes, like, like, I guess maybe it's just because, like, the trajectory I would like to have at some point. I, I would kind mm-hmm. of want to just be able to make stuff regardless of quality at a certain point, you know? Yeah. And like maybe like that that's fine, you know, like um or some artists like when they get started they come out of the gate fully formed like um uh, like Michael Mann with Thief, which is like, you know, five stars, banger. And then he still goes and makes the keep. <laughs> yeah. Or uh and then other people, like Barry Jenkins, who is one of our greatest working filmmakers, like his first yeah, no, like he's... like like Medicine for Melancholy is not like a, a runaway masterpiece. It's just kind of like an interesting experiment that he tried to It is to one do. of those movies, though, you go, like, I'm gonna pay attention to this fucking guy. Yeah, I was like, like it's just interesting, you know? And sometimes that's okay, too. You don't need to be, like, the best to have mm-hmm. a voice. Although, I also, it's so weird to me where it's also, like, I can't believe we didn't, as, like, a group, like, rally around Nightmare Alley. Oh, like, hey, hey, hey. You're right. I didn't get to, to rally around it until I saw it. Like no, but like I'm just saying, it's it's so clear that like like Guillermo del Toro made The Shape of Water, which is like his like most like overtly like romantic movie. You know, mm-hmm. like it's him just going full. It's the most, even though it's about a woman fucking a fish man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like it's most. It's the one that can appeal most to general audiences. You know. Yeah. And it's like love conquers all. <laughs> Goes and it's a hit and he wins the Academy Award. And then he turns around and uses the, the clout from that to make, like, a dark, disturbing fucking noir film. It's, like, with, like, very few redeeming qualities to it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, we should have been like, fuck yeah, that's what you do. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, I, I, I think Nightmare Alley is, is fucking incredible. Fucking, full, full, fucking go full reverse. Yeah, like, yeah. And we should have just rallied around that in, like, even if it's, like didn't totally work for me or not what I want most from Game of Thrones. We should have been like, but this is what you do when you get the clout to just make, like, like a studio will just be like, you can make anything. <laughs> and instead, people were like, ah, there's too much Guillermo del Toro in this Guillermo del Toro movie. Yeah, I don't know. People people have weird hang-ups sometimes. When, yeah. Like, I don't know. Is 
don't we want artists to have like an identifiable style most of the time you know so you want mm. it to feel like honest like it's coming from a place of like truth yeah and he well, always does know, that it, some people i think some people it's just it, it comes down to how you approach movies i you know i go into every movie truly i go into every movie wanting to like them you know mm. i will not sit down and watch a movie if i think i'm going to hate it <laughs> Like, I just won't do that. And I think some people do the opposite, where when they sit down to a movie, they have all their defenses up. And it's like a movie kind of has to earn um, praise, in a way. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that's wrong. Like, that's totally... Like, I understand people doing that, where you want to be like, I'm only going to give a movie five stars if it, like, really deserves it, you know? It's the person where it's like, there's only, like, two five-star movies a year for some people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I am someone who's like, I'm going in, I want to love a movie, so I'm going to find the good in bad movies. And if I, if I don't like it, that means it's really bad. <laughs> so. Unlike Cloud Atlas. Unlike Cloud Atlas. Now is yeah, I don't know if we have to break down all of it. It's just, I find it a really engaging movie. I, um, I do too. I get a kick out of it. I love when all the Scotsmen beat up the fucking people <laughs> in the bar. Um, uh, one of my favorite scenes. Hey, that guy's name um, that speaks up in the bar was Mr. Meeks. Do you think he was related to Wardley Meeks the Third? Yes. In Tough Guys Don't Dance. Yes, I do. Another movie uh, with a nonlinear structure. No, I mean yes, but stop. <laughs> Uh, the Wachowski sisters. So the tough devil guys don't dance. The do- the devil made tough guys don't dance, but God made Cloud Atlas. <laughs> God, maybe. And God's trans. So fuck you, everyone. There you go. Uh, uh, is this a five star movie? For me, it is. I would agree. Uh, it was the year it came out. It might have shifted. I can't remember what else came out in 2012. Uh, the Dark Knight uh, Rises. Yeah, that was definitely not better than this. Skyfall. <laughs> I like Skyfall, not better. Um, let me check. Oh, and, and, uh, it, Killing Them Softly. I love that movie, but I like Cloud Atlas more. I did too. Uh, Class, when it came out, was my favorite movie that year. Um, I'm trying to. Oh, you know what? Ma- the Master was 2012. The Master, Django the Master. Unchained, Life of Pi, Looper, The Hunt. Uh, Prometheus, Spring Breakers, Lincoln. Uh, Lincoln's pretty fucking good. Holy Motors, The Act of Killing, The Lorax. (laughs) (laughs) You motherfucker. Um, Yeah, Cloud Atlas is probably better than all of them. Um, I would probably put The Master above Cloud Atlas. Okay, okay. The Master is another one of those movies where it's just like, I kind of got like everything I want out of it. That was a truly transcendent movie for me. Okay, okay. Uh, but, uh, but also I really like Lincoln too. Mm-hmm. Like Lincoln's fantastic. Um, Holy Motors I also really like. Um, oh, so I guess those are the three that I would consider in competition. Francis Ha. Francis, I like that movie, but like Cloud Ass. Does Francis Ha have a cyberpunk shootout? Good point. I don't think so. Good point. Good point. Um. Oh, uh, Men in Black 3, your favorite. Yeah, there's a memorable film. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, oh, is also how could I solid. forget? Taken 2. Yeah. What about Les Mis? 
I'm not even addressing that. What won Best Picture that year? Oh, uh, uh, what the fuck? Oh shit, Argo. <clears throat> no, that did was it? Argo. That was, wasn't that your Argo won Best Picture, but Affleck didn't win Best Director. I think you're right. I think that's what happened. But now I don't remember who won Best Director. Uh, for the King's Speech, maybe. What am I thinking of? Am no, I... King's Speech is before. Okay, it was the year before, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who the fuck won? <laughs> hang on, hang on. I'm looking at the the accolades and shit. It wasn't Tom Hooper, was it? It might have like, been he didn't Tom win Hooper. Again. Academy Awards, you fucking fuck. motherfuckers. Was it Ang Lee? They make it so difficult to find shit on here. I know. Well, the problem is you go, like, Academy Awards 2012, and then it's like, do you mean the award ceremony that was held in 2012, or do you mean for movies released in 2012? Yeah, it's so like, fucking... You motherfucker. That's so fucking stupid. Also, here's a movie that I can say is better than every other movie we just mentioned. Uh, Wolf Children. Wolf, oh, Wolf Children's fucking amazing. Wolf Children's a masterpiece. Yeah. Like, if, if you're listening to this and you've seen Cloud Atlas, like, drop what the fuck you're doing and watch Wolf Children. You, you will fucking cry your eyes out, but, like, in a good way. Yeah, yeah. It's directed by the person who directed the best segment of the Digimon movie. So if you need another yeah. pitch, there you go. <laughs> That's the movie you go to? Well, it's it's the one our generation knows. He's directed so many good stuff. I know, I, I know. I like, but, like, you start there, and it's like, hey, this is, like, really good in the middle of this not-great movie. What's the up with Girl that? Who Leapt Through Time, Dan Doherty, you should watch that one, because I know you're, you're starting to feel like you're getting old, even though you're in your early 20s. <laughs> Uh, oh, oh, oh uh, best director was Ang Lee for Life of Pi, by the way. Okay, oh, that's, fine, that's a good one. Ang Lee's Ang Lee's a good Ang, guy. Ang Lee's solid. Um, but yeah, Girl Leapt Through Time, Summer Wars. Those are also two really good movies. Oh, yeah, Summer Wars, the remake of the Digimon movie. <laughs> Summer Wars is also kind of like a remake of fucking uh, War Games. Yeah, well, the bit. Digimon movie is just it's it's literally called Our War Games in Japan. Yeah, I gotta rewatch Digimon like. I, I can't vouch for the show. I have very fond memories of it. But that, that fucking, like, 45-minute segment in that movie is so good. <laughs> I just remember Digimon being this thing of, like, it was, like, kind of a Pokemon ripoff, but then, like, occasionally it would get, like, really existential and fucked up for a minute. Yeah, well, like, I mean, <laughs> like, the, the, the big thing the... when you're younger is, like, whoa, people can, like, die, you know? Yeah, yeah. But there, I don't know. I, I think the world kind of gets... Well, anime was full of that. I mean, I remember when all the fucking Sailor Scouts got wiped out at the end of the first season of Sailor Moon. Oh, what? Like, I've never seen Sailor Moon, so... Um, don't, don't worry, they all end up fine. Okay. But, like, the last few episodes are, like, just them all dying one by one. Oh, God. <laughs> like, and it's just like, holy shit. Oh, I thought it was, like, a fun slice-of-life anime. It is, but then it gets, like, wild in the last bit. Like, okay, okay. And it was one of those things where I think they were all supposed to die originally. And then uh, someone went to the creator being like, this shit's making too much money. Fucking bring them back. Like, <laughs> okay, well, I, so. I get that. And, I mean, and not even... Fucking Dragon Ball Z, Goku dies, like, five episodes in. Like, he got shot through the heart. Isn't, like, half that show him walking back from heaven or whatever? No, it's him walking to the place he needs to go in heaven and then walking back. Oh, okay. I remember <laughs> that, that vividly show, for some reason. Half that show is him on a fucking road. Yeah. And then when fights are happening, people stand around for, like, half the episode being like, 
Oh, you thought you, your power level has gone up. Little did you know, I can also raise my power level. And then they stand there, and then every character goes like, says the same, same basic thing. It's like, oh my god, he's raising his power level. And that goes on for another five minutes, and then they punch for five minutes, and then that, then it's a cliffhanger. And tune in for the next exciting Well, episode. here, I'll tell you why I fucked with Digimon before we wrap up. <laughs> okay. Digimon... It, to me, at least, was like at the dawn of the internet. It's the birth of the internet for us. Um, we're getting mm-hmm. kind of getting our feet wet with like understanding the the limits and like uh, the, uh, the way we can connect, like interconnectivity. This thing called the internet, it's an inherent good. It's only going to do good things. Now, the villains on Digimon were counters <laughs> to that. There's like a <laughs> Satan Digimon that has like a little like Batmite type henchman. And he's like, a, he's kind of comic relief, but to get more powerful, he and the villain ends up swallowing him in the climactic fight. Yeah, and he's yeah, screaming I, to I, his oh, death, I, and it's like crazy. I I can see that in my head to this day. I could fucking see it. It was so fucked up. Yeah, like, but then there's also like the four horsemen of the apocalypse at one point. There's like, what is what is the deal with like so many children's adventure anime? Where like it's like yeah, but we have to kill God. <laughs> well, that's just the way it goes. That's just the way that cookie crumbles. Oh, it's fantastic. Because at some point you have to grow up and realize that society has placed limitations on who you are and who you can be in this world, and only mm-hmm. you can determine for yourself who you want to be, and that includes how you want to kill God with a gun. <laughs> <laughs> the knife? No, it it's always with the power of friendship. Exactly. It's, but it's it's just so funny to me where it's like the Western animation version of that is like Nemo learning to stand on his own, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like and then it's like in fucking Digimon, it's like, no, we gotta take on the fucking four horsemen of the apocalypse and God and Elvis and like everything. <laughs> and, like, and the concept of love, like it's like you gotta fight like everything. <laughs> And then it's like, it turns out the enemy was time itself. And then you're like, Jesus fucking Christ. It's like, wow, the people writing this shit were clearly going through something. Mm-hmm. See, that's what Western civilization is suppressing. They're like, oh yeah, you know, the power of Nemo guiding the other fish to safety. Finding Nemo's a great movie. It's no, no, yeah. no knock on that. But we need but the also, sequel, it like... finding God and how to kill them. <laughs> Finding God and being cast out from his kingdom. <laughs> Better to reign in hell than serve in heaven. The immortal words of Marlon the Fish. Oh my god. Albert you know what? Brooks. Albert Brooks could deliver that. He totally... I mean, that's kind of what defending your life is. <laughs> and bring back Andrew Stan to direct. That's a good director. Yeah. I don't know of any of the Pixar guys, though. It's so weird. It's uh, No, Pixar's no, I get, I'm, we're not going to go on the whole thing, but I do think the Pixar guys, even though they, they do talk about being very happy there creatively, I just think uh, all of them have so much more potential than what they can give there. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a whole other thing. I think it's a lot. I think a lot of it was when they finally got absorbed by Disney, you know? Yeah. Like they kind of couldn't really make what they really wanted to you make. You can feel the chains on them. Even in their great shit, um, yeah. still. But uh, that's another topic for another time. Cloud Atlas. Cloud Atlas. Check it out. Five stars. Check out a lot of the shit we just talked about right here. Frankly, was, yeah. Was, 
it was good stuff out there. Yeah, this was so, good stuff. Uh, Matt. I, I know I, if you were like me during quarantine, you started revisiting a lot of shit from your childhood. <laughs> and if you were like me, you put on Yu-Gi-Oh, made it like two episodes and went, I don't need to watch this. <laughs> you put on fucking Pokemon. You made it a little longer, but then you're also like, eh, I've moved on. But you can go back to fucking Digimon. <laughs> I'm telling you. All right, I, I want to go back to Digimon, frankly. Ride that shit out. Um, and that is a multitude of drops. I don't fucking know. No, no. Uh, what, what is... No, I got nothing else. Uh, Matt, what let's is close out the show. But a what what of other drops. good things do you have uh, on the internet? Oh, nothing. Okay. Not, not your tweets? <laughs> but, but if you want um, uh, very half-formed thoughts, check out my <laughs> Twitter where I just occasionally say something very stupid. <laughs> um, I'm at EmperorOTN1 at Twitter.com. And you can find me at the Diego Crespo. Check out the Waffle Press on Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and Patreon. And get early access to the next retrospective. Listen to the old ones off the Patreon. Check out some... Yeah, or, or don't. I probably am embarrassed by shit I said on a lot of those older retrospectives. Well, I mean, I don't mean the super old ones. I just mean, like, the stuff that, you know... Yeah, but I recent. literally, like, three months removed from anything I say, I probably don't agree with it anymore. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. It's just unfortunate that I decided it would be okay to do podcasts where all my bad takes are immortalized forever. <laughs> I mean... You know, we're all aging like five years every Remember month. when I said that Dark Knight was about how 9-11 was an inside job? Yeah, but that's true. Sure. <laughs> thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Man, I hope we never have to talk about conspiracy theories on this show again. We've been professionally unprofessional. Wait, we didn't say what the next thing was. Oh, what is the next thing? I don't know. You have the list. I do have the list. Hang on. I haven't had to edit a lot of these very much, but this one I, I kind of got to go... Gotta go cutting some stuff. Hang on. Where the fuck? Yeah. Or just leave it in and show how professionally unprofessional we truly are. A little, a little too unprofessional. <laughs> Let me see. Uh, where the fuck is this? Hmm. I hope you're not about to say what I think you might say. No, no. I had the list somewhere. Here we go. No, but I know some of the movies that are on the list. Oh, okay. Uh, well, next up is Michael Clayton. Oh, okay. All Why, right. what did you... Oh, you thought... I thought what's probably going to come after Michael Clayton. Oh, yeah, that's definitely coming after Michael Clayton. The last three yeah. are kind of quasi-conspiracy thrillers at the very... Oh, they're, um... they're conspiracy thrillers, and then they're insane conspiracy thrillers, and then they're a real conspiracy. Yes. So, Make of that what you will, listeners. But Michael Clayton, next week, come back, watch so it. Wait, so the next four are conspiracy thrillers. Next four. Because Michael Clayton's also a conspiracy thriller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, f- what, what? Did you forget the movie I'm dreading? <laughs> I think so. I'm going to say it right now, JFK? No, no, I want to do that one. What's the other one? It was the one I I said if we're gonna do it, I want to do JFK. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I want to remind you. <laughs> no, no. Now you have to say it. Um. Well, all right. I'll give you one more hint. I said that if we do it, you can't upload the episode to YouTube. <gasps> oh. That's my only stipulation. Oh yeah. Okay. So there you go. That's an announcement for the show. Um, we're doing an episode that will not 
be posted on YouTube. Yes. I will post an opening of it to let people know where you can find it. Um, but I think you're, you, what you texted me was, we will both for real die. (laughs) (laughs) So, so this will just be audio format only. Um, yes. Enjoy that. Yes. As much as you can. (laughs) Enjoy that tease. Well, I know I told one person that we were going to do it. So one person out there knows. Okay. Yeah. That's it. That'll be fun. Uh, and then we're also, no, it won't. No, it won't. (laughs) (laughs) We're also gearing up to do, um, our, our return or our failed blockbusters. We'll do Scream 5 eventually, so just keep an eye out for that. And then at the time this is released, go, go back and check out our review of the Batman retrospective. Or yeah. the, the Batman, uh, which is going to be partially your retrospective. Watch Batman 66, because I just rewatched it, because shit's not great right now, and it really it, it made me feel better. Yeah, so that, that, that's a great fucking movie. Even though there's one part where... Robin looks directly at camera and says, support your local police. Yeah. But hey, it was 1966. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, so. the, the bar is different. Like, we understand now. Yeah. Anyways, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. You've been professionally unprofessional. Our lives are not our own. We are bound to others. Past and present. And by each crime and every kindness, we birth our future. I won't let you go again. I believe there is another world waiting for us. A better world. And I'll be waiting for you there.